Today our subject is a controversial one, embryonic stem cells, why we should or shouldn't be using these cells in medical research, and what might be gained or lost. We'll be talking to a physicist, of all things, about stem cells, but one who has a unique skeptical perspective on science of all kinds. You are listening to the Washington Health Report on ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. My guest today, Dr. Bob Park, is a professor of physics and former chair of the Department of Physics at the University of Maryland. He's also connected with the American Physical Society in Washington, D.C. Dr. Park considers his life work to be helping people distinguish between genuine science and fraudulent claims. He's written a book about that called Voodoo Science. There are plenty of fraudulent claims out there, and Dr. Park has been the one who has found and uncovered a lot of them. Uh, He writes a provocative and widely read column on the Internet about science and policy in the nation's capital. It's called What's New, and later in the program I'll tell you how to find it. Among the issues he follows is the stem cell debate, and that's what we're here to talk to him about. Welcome to the, uh, we'd like to welcome our, our own science curmudgeon, Dr. Bob Park. Welcome to the program, Dr. Park. I'm well, well glad to be your curmudgeon. <laughs> um, so uh, you're a physicist. You're interested in a lot of things. Um, how did you get interested in the stem cell issue, and why have we heard about nothing but stem cells for so long? Why is it such a big deal? Well, it's a difficult one because this is an issue in which the opposition is strictly religious. This is, uh, there, there is no scientific opposition to stem cell research. The promise of stem cell research, is, as your audience knows, is enormous. And there's great excitement in the world right now, and new discoveries are being announced every day. You know, this is not something we, uh, we want to take lightly, but the only opposition is uh, is religious, and the the issue that's involved is whether a single stem cell has a soul. That's a purely religious concept. A stem cell taken from a from a developing embryo. That's correct. So there's, I guess, there's a debate on religious and ethical grounds about whether an embryo has a soul or whether you know the old the old thing we've heard for decades about whether life begins at conception or sometime later and all of those things. Um, but here it's reduced to the level of a single cell, is what you're saying. It is reduced to, uh, to, to that level. And, uh, but even then, the whole concept of a, uh, of a soul uh, and when we consider it to be a person is uh, a scientific question, I think. A sci- a sci- well, ex- elaborate on that, because I, I would have said that was outside of science, but go ahead. Well, I, do, I don't think it's outside of science. At least it should listen to science in, in trying to come to a decision on it. Uh, there is, are essentially two positions. The first is the position taken by many conservative Christians and by the Catholic Church, and that is that it is granted a soul, the spark of life, if you will, at the moment of conception, right when the uh, the gametes do their uh, their dance and form a uh, a totally unique DNA, now there is not another one like it anywhere in the world, and never has been. Uh, that's pretty remarkable. But it is it is still uh, uh, at that point the zygote, a single cell. Now it's going to start multiplying and making copies, and for a long time that's all it does. Uh, but eventually, the copies begin to, to be differentiated. They have some idea of what they're going to be. Before that, before they start differentiating, that science has uh, the prospect of sort of nudging them to be the kind of cells that might be needed for therapy. So, in other words, as the cells begin to differentiate, various natural processes are 
nudging one to become something that might become skeleton and another one to be something that might become skin. And if we can uncover those processes, we could use that to generate bone or skin or something. Is that exactly. And, uh, and, and in fact, it's being done. And people are already being cured by stem cell research, uh, with the results of stem cell research. So it's, it's going on right now. And kind of the sky is the limit here. They, uh, they don't know how far this can go, but we certainly ought to be finding out. But then among those who believe that that cell was granted a soul at the moment the zygote was formed, this raises some, uh, some strange ethical questions. Now, the other point of view is that it's not really a person until it takes its first breath. This comes right out of Genesis, where uh, God was supposed to have breathed the, uh, the breath of life into Adam. And uh, in between those two limits, in between the, uh, that, that first cell and uh, the zygote and the, uh, and the first breath, uh, is about 40 weeks of development. And, and at almost every point of that, some religion has said, this is where life starts. Right. So what we're talking about here is various kinds of religious views, whether it starts at the moment of conception or with the first breath and so forth. Or anywhere in between. Or anywhere in between. For those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to the Washington Health Report on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. We're talking to Dr. Bob Park, a science policy expert and skeptic from the University of Maryland about the controversial issue of stem cells. Now, the United States, uh, Americans are, a, are a, by and large, a religious people. Many, many people in polls say they believe in God and they, they practice religion and so forth. What's wrong with these views? I mean, are, do we concede that these are legitimate views, where, where whatever it is people believe about where life begins? You can believe anything that you want in this country, and that's what's great about it. But you have to accept that there are other people who believe other things. And, uh, and we try to accommodate that in this country, and that's what freedom of religion is all about. It protects everybody's religion, but it says you can't really impose your views on others. Right. Protects non-religion as well as various Absolutely. religions, in other words. So, in other words, a- anybody in this country has the option not to accept stem cell therapy or not to be involved in the process of harvesting stem cells and so forth. That, but, that, that's correct. But others, you're arguing, should have the opportunity to do that if that's what their beliefs allow that, that's them to right. do. That's right. But it is a complicated issue because if we, uh, if we are to consider the, uh, the embryo as a person, uh, then doesn't that person have rights? And, uh, and that's where the issue of, uh, of whether it has a soul comes in. You had said earlier that that could be a scientific question. How would science decide something like that? that that's interesting. I, I, it's a wonderful question, and it's a, it's a great philosophical question as well as a great scientific question. But what is it that makes the soul? I've asked all sorts of religious authorities, what is a person's soul? And they tell me it's the essence of the person, and uh, whatever exactly that essence means. Uh, but what it seems to mean is who we are, and and that means how we react to things around us, to the input that comes into our senses. How do we respond to other people? How do we respond to uh, suffering in the world? These are the things that make up our soul. And none of that happens in uh, uh, in the embryo. In fact, if I was to try to identify physiologically the, uh, the seat of the soul, I would say it's the amygdala in the brain, uh, the two almond-shaped structures in the temporal lobes 
that govern our emotional response to the information being collected by our senses. These are the kinds of things that in adults in, in recent years, uh, scientists have, have in fact be able to, been able to attack directly with MRI scans and so forth and find all kinds of biological correlates in the brain to varying emotions and so forth. So I guess that speaks in part to what you're saying, that we can find emotional responses in an adult brain scientifically and measure them and, and describe them. That might be some of the data that might play into this question about the soul in some sense. This may be the greatest frontier in science right now. I can remember when we sort of scoffed at psychology as being a soft science. But uh, but with the new brain scanning techniques uh, that a few physicists, in fact, had something to do with. Oh, you're taking credit there. I knew that was I knew that was going to come up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but this now is is a great frontier of science. The advances that are being made are are just remarkable, and uh, there's a long way yet to go. But uh, but if I was to name the seat then of the of the soul, I would say it's the amygdala, and that means that if that's so, that it's changing every day. It's an accumulation of all of our beliefs and experiences throughout life. And we react to things depending partly on, uh, uh, on our genetics, but also on all of our life experiences. I mean, even the, the Catholics, uh, the, the Jesuits, like to say that, give me the boy until he is seven and I will show you the man. So we're all changing all the time, hopefully for the better. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, um, for those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to the Washington Health Report on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. We're talking to Dr. Bob Park, a science policy expert and skeptic from the University of Maryland about the controversial issue of stem cells. Now, how do we, how do we take the, I mean, this, we're, we're, we've been talking mostly on a sort of philosophical level here. How do we translate this into a sane public policy or federal policy on stem cell research? What, you know, based on these kinds of thoughts, the way you've, you've been thinking about it, what do you think we should do? Okay. The courts have traditionally used a definition of, uh, of life as when the fetus can survive outside the womb. So that comes pretty late. Uh, as I say, the belief among Jews is that it's when it gets the first breath. And that's also the belief among many liberal Christians, denominations. But that, that's not quite clear. Do, do we have to encode something like that in the law somehow? Or do we just want to say, uh, let people follow their own beliefs? What's the right way to go? Yeah, I, I think we have to put some limits on it. Uh, most of us feel compassion for uh, a fetus. But to take this all the way back to the point at which we're interested in harvesting stem cells, it seems to me that's that's preposterous. In the spectrum of all the things people might believe, that goes way over to one end. Yeah, that, there's no suffering there. Uh, in, in fact, there's an interesting issue uh, here, and the, the whole point of the, of the soul, of course, is that it survives death. Uh, and then I ask, well, you know, what about the soul of a, uh, of a fetus? And uh, now in the past, because they had not been baptized, at least among Catholics, the belief was that they went to some place uh, uh, called limbo, and and they've just abolished limbo. <laughs> they uh, they say, okay, there's no limbo anymore. That was just a theological speculation. Well, it's all just theological speculation. 
Right. I and, think and we'll... so what you need is a little science to judge which speculations make any kind of sense at all. I think that's a great place to leave it. We're just about out of time. We've been talking about stem cells with Dr. Bob Park, a physicist and expert on science policy at the University of Maryland. If you would like to hear more from Bob Park, you can sign up for his very short and entertaining weekly Internet newsletter called What's New at BobPark.org. I'm your host, Paul Raybert. You have been listening to the Washington Health Report on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Send us an email at xm at reachmd.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.